1: And once again, welcome listeners to Blunt Business, presented by StreamWise Consulting. We're so happy to have you with us this week. This week, we are thrilled to talk about the launch of the world's first women's cannabis business accelerator and cannabis-friendly co-working hub. So today, to talk about that, we're talking with Amy Margolis. She's the founder of The Commune and The Initiative. And today, we're going to talk about in detail on the program here, all about the the. The the co-working space and the accelerator program. Amy has been recognized by Cannabis Business Executive on their Political 100, and she is recognized as one of the 50 most important women in cannabis. Elle Magazine refers to Amy as the pot power woman, and Herb.co lists Amy as one of the 10 most influential women in the cannabis industry, Cannabis industry in general Lots of high praise Made it a no brainer That Amy joined us As our featured guest This week on Blunt Business Amy Thank you so much For being here with us Thank you for having me Our pleasure So before we got on Our call today I did have to make a point That The venue, This co-working hub When I looked at the pictures And if you get a chance To take a look just beautiful, a lot of wood, a lot of, you see, just wood, you know, a lot of good exteriors out, you see trees, just the beautiful exterior of Portland, Oregon, and just out in the exterior, and you just see what a great, mm-hmm. inviting gathering, just, you could just tell there was just so much love and passion and feng shui, and just the real aura, the real chi to put this all together and make this look like a wonderful place, so you have this co-working hub in Portland, Oregon, it's called the Commune, and it's you have the Accompanying an accelerator program called The Initiative. And the intention is to help solve the problem of gender equality in the cannabis industry. So my first question for you is, was there any one moment or series of moments that energized you to go after this ambitious effort?
2: I think there were a number of moments that uh, propelled me towards this project. I'd been watching this space for a really long time long time, long before anybody called it a space or an industry. Mm -hmm. And um, at the beginning, at the beginning when we were seeing um, the gray market transitioning over a legal market, I would often see women coming in to open businesses and women coming in with their spouses or their friends or other partners and um, it very much felt like a grassroots small business mom and pop industry and over the years as we've seen enormous amount of capital come in, we've seen the number of female founders dramatically decrease. And I was just doing a little research project about the top uh, cannabis companies by market cap, and I found that almost none of those companies have women on the board and even fewer women on their executive teams. And so I saw that in my own practice. I saw that in my work with the Oregon Cannabis Association. And in November, I had a series of experiences where um, it, it seemed that we had crossed a threshold where women really were not going to be included in boards. They were not gonna be included in executive teams. They were no longer um, coming in in the same numbers as founders. And uh, seeing that really really pushed me to start this program.
1: So before I get into my other question, just to follow up, is there anything to be said about where you feel I know we're going to talk a little bit later about how in a broad sense this is an ongoing issue but the idea of knowing and feeling that the cannabis industry would be a more welcoming se- se- welcoming sector excuse me and that it's still a pretty new sector in most senses so would you feel like you could make more of an impact in a much uh, more aggressive and much um, rapid fashion by, by being able to go ahead and put your efforts into the cannabis industry?
2: I think that was the assumption for people was that because this was a new industry, the, uh, that there was wide open opportunity. And where the fallacy in that was, is that the gender bias doesn't exist as an offshoot of the particular type of industry. Gender bias is an offshoot of our society overall, right. and to think that we could somehow, because our industry was different, um, that we would avoid the um, institutional gender bias we see everyone else, I, was an incorrect assumption. So it to me, it still can be an opening because we're brand new, because nobody has won the race yet, because new states are coming online all of the time, but we're battling the same um, problems uh, as it relates to gender that every other industry does, not because it's industry specific, but because it's specific to the society we live in.
1: I can totally understand where you're coming from. I think one thing that I see with, not just with any co-working spaces, with any dispensaries, with any new uh, growth environments, just there are certain things that are always happening within the industry where it creates a new precedent. And then there are people that are gonna follow that precedent and see where that goes. It creates a trend. And I think this is a trend that you could definitely that you are definitely making the inroads for, and that's very important. I think we want to go ahead and definitely talk more about that. Now, I wanna talk about the, you know, the commune initiative in some more detail in a moment, but I want to go ahead and back to you before you got into this here. I want to ask you this. Your focus originally has been a practicing attorney for almost two decades. You've been ranging from licensing, administrative law, regulatory work, to working with businesses and investors on the deployment of capital, multi-jurisdictional growth, public offerings, and all stages of business and corporate development. What made you decide to make this entrepreneurial shift?
2: You you know, it really was, I mean, it's a big shift from not practicing every practicing law every day. Um, but I really took the same skill sets I was using as an attorney and the same network that I was tied into and tapped into as an attorney and really just applied it to, um, this space. So I, this new entrepreneurial space. So I really did not, it feels like it's a big shift, but it's, fundamentally
1: has not been such a change okay but definitely entrepreneurial so it's um, just so you, it, yes. you, i can understand where your background definitely helps you and, and and has you prepared to make this shift so uh talk to me then That's about right. the commune from what i got to see like i said it looks fantastic what are some of the things you've done to make this a truly female-centric entrepreneurial environment
2: you know, the Commune is really, when we built the initiative, which is the Accelerator Program and all the supportive business programming, We, I found that I really needed a space to, to house it. Um, and so as we started looking for spaces to have a cl- classroom and to have um, lots of programming in, I came across this location and it really is, I think, something special. It's very warm. It's very inviting. There's a lot of natural wood. We have a lot of plants here. We had a, a lot of comfortable and beautiful furniture. Uh, we have a kitchen and catering area. And we really wanted to find a place that, you know, many moons ago, the cannabis industry was collaborative and cooperative and everyone knew each other. And we've lost some of that as we've shifted towards a more corporate, traditional co- corporate culture. And the hope was to build a space that felt like somewhere people could come to work together, to collaborate together, um, and to try and capture that in the way we designed it. Big open spaces, lots of communal seating, opportunity for events, small meeting rooms. And and it feels like we did a pretty nice job. I think the space is beautiful and um, big windows and the the kind of place people will wanna come together.
1: Very interesting you point that out about the industry really evolutionizing more towards a real traditional corporate sense uh recently was at the cannabis business summit for the ncia uh last month and i just noticed you can see the transition going and you can just see the people that are coming in and helping to mentor and to help grow those that are still learning their way but obviously have a lot of capital or they have a great direction a great idea they need those right people to come in and help them out so that takes me to the next question about the initiative, the accelerator program. This, according to the materials I learned about the initiative, it says you're looking to design, quote, to rebalance the gender discrepancy in the cannabis industry. Talk to me about the conditions with the cannabis industry that prompted a need for an accelerator program like the initiative.
2: Well, you know, we talked about how societally we have uh, – serious gender bias when it comes to funding, Mm -hmm. when it comes to boards, when it comes to executive teams. And the conditions in the cannabis industry, no matter how much we want to tell ourselves differently, um, are are the same. I mean, again, it is not, those things are not industry specific. Um, And in some ways we got ahead of ourselves in celebrating that the cannabis space could be a more balanced space. And so the conditions that created the need for a female-focused accelerator program and other programming Mm -hmm. are the greater conditions of the world we live in, and particularly the greater conditions of corporate culture that we live in. And so as we've seen, um, and I talked at the beginning of the show about the boards and executive teams of these big cannabis companies the people who are shaping the corporate culture of cannabis. They are the ones who are going to control how almost all of the capital is deployed. They are the ones controlling the lobbying. They are the ones who are effectively going to shape this industry. And if we don't do something now um, to create more engaged female founders, to create more wealth among the women who are in this space, we've just ceded all of that power.
1: Absolutely gained. And I think that's going to be a great place for us to go ahead and take a stop for a commercial break because when we come back for us to learn about what's going on with the industry and how to make sure that we have a better gathering of what can be avoided and what can be done to make sure that this gender inequality can be avoided and can be narrowed in any sense. We have to look at what the mainstream businesses are doing. We're going to look at some facts and figures. I'll talk to you about those. When we come back on the other side of this break, this is Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. We'll be right back.
0: Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apekssupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems.
1: Friday night, August 25th, CannabisRadio.com and the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo invite you aboard the hottest party of the summer. Burn like a baller and party like a player. At High Tide, an exclusive VIP experience aboard a luxurious $40 million mega yacht sailing along the intercoastal and all points in between. High Tide is destined to be the can't miss nighttime networking event for anyone active in the cannabis space. Don't miss the boat, tickets are going fast. RSVP now at usccxpo.com and search for mega yacht party. That's usccxpo.com and search for Mega Yacht Party. High Tide is presented by the Cannabis Business Awards, honoring cannabis professionals deserving of historical recognition and esteemed accolades for industry progression and innovation. Learn more at CannabisBusinessAwards.com.
0: approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com.
1: We're back with Blunt Business, and I'm joined by Amy Margolis. We're talking about her work with the commune and initiative founding it. It's the world's First Women's Cannabis Business Accelerator and Cannabis-Friendly co-working Hub. Amy, welcome back. I have a recent Forbes article that I uh, was looking at, looking at a few things of research for, to come on that I wanted to go ahead and get your answers on, get your thoughts on. So a recent article from Forbes explained that, quote, just 70% of startups in the U.S. have a woman founder. Even worse, 3% of all venture capital is going to female-led companies. And yet, according to a study, by first-round capital. Companies with a woman on the founding team are outperforming all-male companies by 63%. So why aren't more women getting funded? How would you answer that?
2: I, and I, I think in some ways I've kind of answered it. The, yeah. They're not getting funded be, for, for lots of reasons. Uh, first of all, there is, and there's tons of great work done on gender bias and funding. And what you have is a, a systemic... Um, problem, a problem that's existed for ever and ever, which is that as long as men are controlling the capital, and they are clearly controlling the capital, as long as they are the ones at the head of venture capital, as long as they're ones who are running family offices, they will remain the high net worth individuals, and they control, and and it sounds like a conspiracy theory, but it's really, when I use that word, but it's really not. I mean, the world of finance is male dominated. And that is where you go and get funding. That that is um, who decides the fate of boards and executive teams. And we have seen, again, systemically, that men are hiring other men. They're not willing to fund women. And that that is coming from something deeper and more serious than actually looking at the companies performance if you have a diverse executive team or the company's performance if you have a female founder at the head. Um, it's coming from something different than that place. It's coming from you know hiring and funding people who look like you. Um, it's the way that women are taught to interact with people who are providing that funding or making investments. It's the comfort level women have in going in to have those conversations. It is. It's multifaceted.
1: So, like I said, I wanted to put that mainstream, that, that, that article right there and what was said into perspective. But now, I want to go ahead and look and try to look at the positives of what's going on with the kind of things that are being done in mainstream and then within the cannabis industry. So, have you seen an area so far where the cannabis industry has made any inroads to foster gender equality, to narrow that gap? Where have you seen that?
2: I've seen it in the number of organizations that are popping up that are supporting of women through networking, um, through mentoring, by creating relationships. Um, I think that's a particular hole, uh, um, and this concept of women supporting other women has been fruitful. Um, I also have found that, um, just having the awareness that women are, um, struggling to retain a greater foothold has made a difference. I, there's a real um, drive among many different people, both on the investment side and on um, the founder side to make sure that we're starting to see um, some equity on boards And we haven't really even talked about including people of color. Um, so I th- it seems like we're making some inroads just in our cognizance around the issue um, and a drive for things to be different. I mean, that's not playing out at the higher levels of capital. That's really still playing out on a grassroots level. Um, so it, it will be how do we infiltrate those higher levels? How do we convince the Canopy Gross that they should have women involved in their board and their executive team because that would drive how capital is deployed? Um, but I think those are places where we're making inroads also from a market segment um, viewpoint where really women are, are much more active as makers and they're making a variety of different really interesting consumer packaged goods and that is also where there's a lot of economic opportunity. So th- those are the places where we're making some inroads but I, I, we are certainly losing more ground than we're gaining.
1: Well, and one thing I noticed, at least for some things what I, uh, that I get to see from the outside looking in, is that we at least do have some figureheads that are out there that are prominent in the space. You see Charlotte Green, you see uh, Cheryl Schumann, Bonita Bomani, uh, and so sort of different uh, diversity there. Plus, I also see organizations like Women Grow that are very prominent in the space that are doing what they can to make a difference. Uh so I'm, I'm definitely I can see a few things that are there and definitely supporting what you were saying as well. So I want to go back to the same Forbes article I quoted before. They also cited um, some success stories within the mainstream companies like Zola or the Million Dollar Woman Company. And are there any success stories ha- you have seen in the mainstream that can be replicated in the cannabis space?
2: Well, there are certainly a lot of women who are doing interesting things in the mainstream i i think that brandless is a good example um they have a great website and um are certainly vying for their market share there's bumble i mean there are i think by saying that women are um at a disadvantage does not is not in any way um, intended to denigrate the women who are successful because there are certainly as you pointed out many many successful female entrepreneurs who are doing amazing things and creating wealth and, um, employ, treating their employees well and using that wealth to do progressive, um, things. And so it is no means to denigrate what women are doing, but I think it's important for us to note as we talk about it, that, you know, you and I are naming who we know and who we see doing successful, um, businesses that are females, but it's a struggle a little bit. I mean, just as you and I are talking with each other, um, you know, could I name 10 companies, mainstream companies that have a female CEO and female executive team? I don't know if I could. Um, Could I do in the cannabis space right now? Absolutely. Yeah. And how people grow that will be up to the support we're able to give them.
1: Totally agree with that, very good points made. We're going to take another break real quick here. Again, having a great conversation with Amy Margolis from The Commune and The Initiative. We'll be back with uh, final questions for Amy Margolis after this quick break.
0: Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back
1: with more Blunt Business. Join us in Anaheim, California, this October 22nd and 23rd at NCIA and CCIA's California Cannabis Business Conference. With 60,000 square feet of expo floor, over 3,000 cannabis business leaders, and over 100 thought leaders and policymakers, the California Cannabis Business Conference is the place to learn how to navigate the world's largest adult use market. Register today at www.CaliforniaCannabisBusinessConference.com retail sales of medical and recreational cannabis in the United States are expected to hit $8 to $10 billion. Are you ready to invest in the fastest growing business sector in America? Then you have to check out the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, Phoenix, October 4th through the 6th. Open to the public. This two-day conference will focus a wide range of sectors, including healthcare, law, politics, sports, and numerous investment opportunities for entrepreneurs and startups. Hundreds of exhibitors will showcase their products and services to medical patients, caregivers, mainstream consumers, and business-to-business professionals. Join us as we merge business, education, and entertainment with thousands of attendees at the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo in Phoenix, October 4th through the 6th. For more information, go to usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com.
0: The 2018 United States Cannabis Conference and Expo is just days away, August 24th through the 26th at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Register now at usccexpo.com. Don't miss out on a jam-packed weekend of education, speed networking, powerful keynotes, plus our can't-miss networking mega-yacht event, High Tide. You still have time to join us in Miami August 24th through the 26th for the 2018 United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. Don't miss out. Log on to usccexpo.com and register now. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Welcome back to Blunt Business. We're wrapping these up on our final segment with Amy Margolis. Amy, in a recent Fortune article, wanted to switch from Forbes to Fortune. There was an article that spoke about, uh, that was in a similar subject. They said the following, and I quote, quote, while there is no single definitive answer, female founders point to the lack of female VCs, citing that 8%, about 8% of the partners at top venture capitalist firms are women. There's the perception that women typically, quote, ask for less than men do. And the research that suggests that women tend to be judged on performance and men on potential, giving men a leg up when it comes to raising funds. Do you think there's any truth to that statement?
2: I think that is a hundred percent true. I've seen it when I've sat in raises. Um, I've seen the way that women and men interact um, when they're out raising money. I've seen how they talk after they've raised money and I think it's a, it's absolutely a hundred percent true.
1: So in that case and I, I want to follow up with this. When you have an accelerator program like what you're offering with the initiative Uh, What is something, when you have a statement like that, say, if you were presenting that to a class, what is it that you would tell them that they should be doing?
2: Well, we need to, you know, we're not going to, with an accelerator like this, change the culture of venture capital, right? Right. So we can only impact the women and the businesses that are going through the program. And so we will spend a lot of our time working with investors For women to receive feedback and coaching and training. And that is everything from, you know, do you feel comfortable with your vocabulary? Do you understand when you're sitting in a room, when they're throwing words around that you maybe you're not familiar with? How do we get you up to speed on your business vocabulary? How do we make sure that you feel confident? How do we make sure that you're not underselling yourself? How do we make sure that you're coming across as, you know, this is going to be successful, I know it, and you're lucky I'm asking you for this money. And that's a, an internal shift that women need to make sometimes, I mean men too, but really for women. And there are just a lot of things that we need to improve upon and how we ask for money because it's the only thing that we can control. Like I said, we're not changing the culture of venture capital, we really need to change the culture of how women relate to fundraising. And and eventually what will happen is, you have enough women who become wealthy and who become educated and empowered, and that is how we'll start to change the culture of BC.
1: Last question for Amy Margolis. Looking in the horizon, looking ahead, towards the future, you have any thoughts about how if there will be any narrowing in that gender equality gap? Uh, how how much of a chance there might be in the next five to 10 years, how much progress can be made?
2: Well, a girl can dream. Uh, My hope is, is that we're gonna see a huge shift. Um, That's based on nothing other than the fact that I hope that that happens. Um, But I mean, my hope is, is that we see a huge shift in the way women women interact in fundraising, the number of wealthy women, that we start to see companies, you know, the easiest thing for us to change and the easiest thing, I think, for businesses, big Fortune 500 companies and, and you know large market cap companies in cannabis, the easiest things for them to change are who occupies their board and who occupies their executive team. And by choosing to include women and people of color in that, you will actually fundamentally shift the industry. So those are the places I hope and expect to see the largest amount of change. Um, and the changing the culture around fundraising is a much heavier lift, um, but finding qualified women and people of color for boards and executive teams is not a heavy lift, and it really is just making that decision that having a diverse board and leadership team is crucial to the success of the company.
1: So about two minutes left? I want to go ahead and let you have the floor real quick and just let people know how they can learn more about the commute, being a part of it, being involved, learn about possibly registering uh, for classes, be a part of the Accelerator program for the initiative. Anything else you're working on, please let us know how we can learn more.
2: So we have a number of things that are coming up um, pretty rapidly. On September 1st, we'll open applications for the Accelerator program. You can keep up with that by going to www.cadc.org in the initiative.com and either sign up for the newsletter or fill out the interest form. Uh, We have a retreat called Hustle Hard. It is hustlehardretreat.com. And that is going to be an immersive and intensive three-day weekend where we have educators coming from all over the country to do a rapid, deep dive. skill set building program for uh, female founders and executives, either in cannabis or outside of cannabis um, at a beautiful location at presada Ranch in Bend, Oregon. And for the commune, we are, yeah, I think it's going to be fantastic. The agenda is amazing. And instead of speakers and panels, it will be um, all hands-on learning so women can take home um, skills and immediately apply them. In November, we start a, a, a boot camp. That's a five week evening program and um, for more seed stage companies. And to learn more about the commune, you can go to the communepdx.com or follow us on Instagram at the same handle.
1: So that's a lot of information to unpack. So again, in theinitiative.com and one more time for the commune?
2: The commune is the communepdx.com and the retreat is hustlehardretreat.com.
1: So you have a lot of things going on. And by the way, uh, Bend, Oregon, I always think about the fact that, well, there's so many different entrepreneurs that I know of in the space that come from Bend, Oregon, not in the cannabis space, but yeah. mainstream itself. And it just, just the area in Oregon always as a great hobby, just a lot of a lot of fostering of great ideas and just something about being in Oregon where, especially with the, the fact the cannabis industry is – you know really thriving so much with the legalization a couple of years ago it's a great place to get started so if people need to make their way i hope they do and i hope uh, we send a lot of listeners your way amy margolis from the commune and the initiative thank you so very much for sharing your story with us here on cannabis radio
2: thank you
1: so thanks so much our pleasure and we hope to have you once again on another show So everyone, thank you again for joining us here for Blunt Business, presented by Strain Wise Consulting. You can download past episodes of Blunt Business by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening.